Who can say where the killer roams, where the blood flows? It's slaying time. Slay away. Slay away. Slay away. Hey, Slayers. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Slay Away. I'm Anola Lugosi, and I'm here to chat about lore, gore, true crime, and every kill in between. This episode is part of a continuing series of interviews this month celebrating pride with queer creators while exploring queer representation in horror. Today, I'm joined by John Hernandez, also known as Stan the Mechanic, around the campfire. Uh, Welcome, John. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Enola. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. I'm so happy that you could make it. And are you ready to chat about all things queer horror with me today? I am so ready. Let's do this. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. So um, John is the creator, writer, and actor behind Stan the Mechanic, currently airing on Here TV. He is also a contributor to Bear World Magazine, and he lives with his husband in New York City. Um, his role in the horror community uh, essentially is that he is a horror host presenting queer horror movies on a queer network and his show celebrates horror while being mindful of racial and body type representation and we love that so most importantly though the show is meant to be a good time tell us more about yourself and stan the mechanic Sure. Um, Well, I grew up in the 80s and 90s in the age of uh, people like Elvira and Svengoolie, and I've always been inspired by them and had such a great time watching the movies with them. And that's how I kind of grew my appreciation for the horror genre. And it was always kind of a dream of mine to be one of those companions to other people to watch these uh, horror movies that we all love so much. And, um, you know, the pandemic hit. I had some time on my hands, so I finally kind of made the dream into a reality and uh, produced Stan the Mechanic. And Stan is basically inspired by the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the Satanic Mechanic uh, mentioned by Dr. Frankenfurter. And uh, he is the one and only Satanic Mechanic that wreaks havoc on the mortals of earth by messing around with their automobiles. And he has a mechanic shop in Brooklyn, New York, where his two assistants, Brad and Janet help him service automobiles for the supernatural community. So all that being said, (laughs) I, uh, I kind of made stand because I never saw myself on screen. So that's why when I had the opportunity to talk about representation in horror, I was really excited. So we're in a cool place in time where queer horror is very much a conversation and there's, you know, more and more projects and films being made featuring queer characters, which is thrilling. But for me, it's, it's, a bit twofold because in addition to being an out gay man, I'm also, I'm biracial, I'm Puerto Rican and Italian, and I am also a fat person, you know, a person of size. And you really don't see that um, in any type of featured role in horror or pretty much in any capacity in the entertainment industry. So I said, you know what? it's time to change that. So I put myself (laughs) as head of the show and I am celebrating my size and my ethnicity and my queerness. And the show strives to do that as well, especially in the topics that we talk about. So 
you know, it's about having a good time. So it's it's a lot of skit work around, you know, the themes brought up in the movies. Uh, I definitely have a very blue sense of humor. So there there is a lot of sex jokes and it's a very sex positive show. But, you know, that's in spirit, uh, in the spirit of the genre, I think. But also I make sure to point out issues with the movies. So, um, for instance, there's uh, an upcoming episode that we did with a, a public domain film called Scream Bloody Murder. And it was from back in the 60s. And it's, um, it was the first movie to be called uh, gornography, so to speak. And, um, you know, true to the time, there was one black character in that movie, and she was like introduced and killed within five minutes. So even though it's a comedy show, Stan takes a moment out of the silliness to kind of address that and, you know, discuss that while these movies are great, there are issues with them, and it doesn't mean they should be thrown out. Let's discuss what's wrong with them. So um, I very much like to talk about you know, racial issues. Uh, in another episode, I discuss uh, my biraciality because I'm, uh, I, I look and pass for white and I address that on the show as well because I do realize that looking white gives me a uh, certain level of privilege. And um, so we just kind of put it all out there, but rest assured, it's, it's mainly about having a good time. But, you know, um, as with all things, it's it's always good to try to uh, expand the conversation about you know different people and experiences out there. So it's it's been great. The reception has been really positive. Um, people you know think Stan is funny and charming, and they love that he's big and proud of it. And it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to bring this character to life and. I've had a great time hosting both queer horror movies and now we're moving into public domain movies. I got to um, host the the film Hellbent, which is uh, appreciated by uh, queer horror fans as one of the first uh, gay slashers. And true to form with that, you know, we discussed the lack of body type diversity in that film, but also, you know, have some fun around all the, the campy tropes that are explored in that film. And, uh, you know, it's it's been really good. I, I'm very proud of it, and I'm looking forward to taking it to the next level. Um, we've finished our season with Here TV, and we're currently uh, in the process of finding a new home for the next set of episodes because people seem to want more stand. So I'm I'm ready to give them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know I did see you have a, a great following on uh, the Facebook page for Stan the Mechanic. So everyone go follow Stan the Mechanic on Facebook. And also if you visit stanthemechanic.com, that's where you can find um, all the information about uh, the show. You can also uh, subscribe to the uh, bi-monthly newsletter, I believe it is. And do you still have a giveaway going on right now? Because that's an exciting giveaway for me personally as a Halloween fan. Um, yeah. oh, so if yeah. you want to share what's going on for your giveaway, this is a perfect time to get involved with Stan the Mechanic. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, yes, uh, this month I am giving away the out-of-print, I believe it's 2006 run of Halloween Night Dance. It's a 
four issue comic series uh, by Stefan Hutchinson. And it's very hard to find. And uh, just a quick perusal of eBay shows that uh, the issues are going for a couple of hundred dollars. And I am willing to part with it from my personal collection. If, uh, if you'd be so good as to come to standthemechanic.com and sign up for my um, mailing list, or you can uh, follow the Stand the Mechanic Facebook page, or follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Stand the Mechanic. Uh, I really am proud of the work I'm doing on Twitter, because in addition to being silly and tweeting out all my silly thoughts and opinions on uh, horror movies, I am making it a point this month to feature uh, one a day, 30 queer horror creators in addition to 30 queer horror movies that I think people should be getting into. So I kind of use it as a, yeah, a platform to celebrate. (laughs) That's what I love to see. (laughs) There's room for everybody. You know, there's been this whole conversation about gatekeeping and stuff. And I, I say the more, the merrier I take the, the Bianca Del Rio approach. Don't be threatened, just uplift people and, and help people succeed. So I, I've really been doing my homework and, and finding all these new incredible content creators on YouTube, Instagram, artists, writers, and just sharing the love. So, uh, so please do that. And at the end of the month on July 1st, I will select a winner and, uh, you can be the, the proud owner of this comic book series. So please, you know, please sign up. Yes. And this comic book, actually, it's illustrated by one of my favorite comic artists, uh, Tim Seeley, who also does the horror uh, comic and graphic novel Hack Slash, uh, which is a particular favorite of mine. So I'm uh, advocating for it right now. It's probably a great set of uh, comics. So everyone go and like and follow all of the things. Stand stand the mechanic and um, get involved. I love that you're doing spotlights. Um, with other queer creators throughout the month. I think that's great. And I was just, I just did a post the other day and was talking about uh, gatekeeping within the queer community. Uh, as uh, someone who identifies as pansexual myself, it's something I've experienced pretty often um, because I don't identify as a lesbian. So um, I think it's an, a, a topic that people should, should speak about more. And like you said, let's just all lift each other up um, kind of a queer is queer sort of mentality. 100%. So, um, uh, yeah, I love that, that, uh, that's something that you talk about as well. So I'm excited to dig into more stand the mechanic myself. Um, and then can you tell us a little bit more about, um, the work that you've been doing? Cause you're also, um, a writer or contributor for bear world magazine. So if you can kind of just highlight that a little bit. Sure. Thank you. Um, Yes. So I've been writing with uh, Bear World Magazine uh, on and off for the past, I would say, five years. But now I've made it a conscious thing to try to release at least one article a month with them. And that's uh, the the website is bearworldmag.com. And so I, I write both as Stan and as John. So when I'm writing as Stan, I'm doing like horror reviews and horror lists. And then when I'm writing as John, I am uh, highlighting maybe more personal experiences. Uh, you know, since I'm a larger, hairy gay guy, I identify as a bear. So I'm part of the bear community and I'll talk about that and my experiences within the culture. And uh, it's a really great magazine. It's got a wide reach. I believe it's the only bear magazine left on the net. Um, and they do great work. They uplift a lot of people and uh, marginalized voices. And I'm very proud to be part of the bear world 
uh, family. So please check me out there as well. And uh, yeah. And I, I also want to highlight, I believe you worked on this too. Uh, we're both working on Gaily Helpful this year. Um, yeah, Gaily Helpful. We are working on that. And uh, definitely tell us more about um, your contributions, what you're going to be doing for Gaily Helpful. And for folks that don't know, Gaily Dreadful um, is a person, uh, Terry, who is a fantastic human being. And they created a little while back uh, this project called Gaily Helpful, where um, there's a different LGBTQ plus um, organization. We raise funds for that organization. And this month we're raising funds for the Transgender Law Center. So um, yeah, definitely tell us what you're going to be doing for Gaily Helpful. Oh yeah. Um, it kind of ties into our conversation too, which is fantastic. My article actually was already published on June 5th and it's called, I'm a gay fat horror fan and I don't have to apologize about it. And uh, Heck in, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in the article, I kind of uh, address my feelings about um, being underrepresented in the genre I love and how that's made me feel and how it contributed to me making the show Stand the Mechanic and also highlighting um, another person that I feel gives great uh, positive plus-sized queer representation. You know, one of the few, like I go on and on about um, Harvey Guillen, who is who plays Guillermo in What We Do in the Shadows. So um, the actor identifies as queer. The character hasn't explicitly come out yet, but from what I'm reading on the interwebs, people just seem to make that assumption. And he's a big guy. And what I love about it is he's pretty much the hero of the piece. He moves the action forward and his size is never used as something that's debilitating or holding him back. So, I mean, it is like, I got very worked up and teary eyed when I, cause I came to the party late, mind you on this. I only like watched it. I binged watched it a couple of weeks ago and I was like, where has this show been? I mean, of course, right in front of my face, duh, but like, you know, um, it, it really made me emotional to see that because I was thinking about when I was a kid and if I had seen someone that looked like me like that on screen being celebrated and the star of the show, I, I can imagine how differently I would have felt about myself, you know? Um, so that's one of the rare instances of like positive queer plus sized uh, representation in horror. So I, I write about him and how I want to see more of that, you know, and how that even though we've come so far in terms of there being advances in queer horror and representation and advances in the Me Too movement that, you know, uh, body positivity and size acceptance has sort of been left in the dust. So it's not that all the work is done. Certainly it's not done on racial and gender equality in terms of representation, but we can still push that forward while also opening up the conversation to people of size, because let's be honest, you know, in America, most of us are overweight, if not obese. So why doesn't our media reflect that? You know what I'm saying? So it's, and I know the conversation usually will then veer towards, well, you're advocating an unhealthy lifestyle. That's not necessarily true. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would never advocate for people to be unhealthy. Just because I am a fat man does not mean I'm unhealthy. You know what I mean? And 
just to kind of park those prejudices and and just open your mind a bit more and just you know give people the spotlight so that you know i uh i kind of go into a bit of a thesis there and and it's gotten really good um feedback uh, a lot of people uh, felt very strongly about that especially that a lot of my followers are uh people in the bear community so it really resonated with them because it's it's something we experience constantly being overlooked or ignored or you know vilified in some way just for being who we are you know so very proud to be a part of it um uh, I see that Terry is breaking records left and right in terms of the money being raised. So uh, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, please check out the article. Please donate. Um, you know, let's do this. Very proud to be aligned with people like yourself on this great project. <laughs> Thank so. you. Well, you know, I was really excited to talk to you as well because I myself, I'm a um, fat queer and I'm not uh, mad about it. Like it's one of those things I think that we need to uplift other creators and people of size, like you said, and, you know, help share that like it may have taken time. A lot of us have internalized fat phobia and things like that that is projected onto us by society. And um, it's something that can be really difficult to work through, especially when we're in those uh, tender ages of growing up and trying to see other people like us who aren't um, vilified or having their size like weaponized against them. Uh, so uh, I love the work that you're doing. And and so thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. You know, and I, I also made a conscious decision in terms of Stan. It would be very easy to kind of, you know, lean into, you know, the tired, low hanging fruit size jokes. And I just, absolutely refuse that like stan you know he's a horror geek he's a foul-mouthed sex positive demon but you know the jokes are not at his expense and you know he is the star he is front and center and uh, i'm very proud of that you know and and i want people to maybe see that and and know that their body is valid and beautiful and to not be ashamed so it's so important to me and even with uh my assistants, I, I have uh, Summer Moran plays Janet on the show and Mason Kelso plays Brad and uh, they're brilliant and I love them and I look forward to working with them more and more and more. But uh, the the role of the assistant in Stan's workshop has always uh, been envisioned as being a revolving role because I want to bring in as many people uh, from all different races, body types, gender expressions. I want everybody on the show. Like that's always been the vision for it. But as it grows, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to bring all those people in. So it's something I'm very passionate about because uh we all deserve a place at the table and nobody deserves to be made to feel less than especially for something as trivial as this the amount of space you take up and you know it, it's definitely uh it can be tough sometimes you know even myself like it, it doesn't mean i'm 100 percent confident all the time but you work through it and you show people that you know i can be out i can be a person of color i can be a person of size and rock it so you know because you know, as we've said, there there is such so so few examples of positive queer horror representation, um, and even less so of positive people of size representation. So definitely, especially in the horror space, I don't know that I have ever seen seen. There's rarely a a, a fat character that isn't the butt of the joke in a, in a, any movie, let alone a horror movie. Um, and in horror films, um, I think. 
bat characters are a lot harder to find unless it's like you're the the outcasty like weird character um if you will i guess exactly <laughs> or, you know or the villain like i mean there's yeah, one or the villain <clears throat> there's one movie um i don't know if you've seen this it's called uh it's an irish slasher film called stitches have you ever seen that um, I have not seen Stitches. I think that one is on my watch list. I have such a huge watch oh, list of too. things I'm trying to get through. Oh my goodness! Um, but I haven't seen Stitches. So t- tell me a little bit more. Um, I I really like it. So um, it's it's super fun. It it's a silly slasher, a little bit lowbrow, but that's totally my favorite. But uh, I bring it up because there is a queer fat character in the, in the movie and one of the few I've ever seen. And it's a character by the name of Bulger and they get the queer representation almost right because he's like this tough, sassy queer character that, you know, doesn't take, no scuff from anybody but it falls short on the fat representation because he's literally named bulger number one and uh number two when he's dispatched in the film sorry spoiler alert he's in a food pantry like binging on like these canned fruits or whatever just totally uh gluttonous and whatever so you know when I was discussing this with someone, they were like, oh, what did you think about this guy? And and I was like, they almost got it. You know, if they could have just maybe found a different way to kill him, I would have been 100% behind it. But there you go. So, you know, they got it right in terms of the queer representation, but they got it wrong in terms of the person of size representation. So I guess, you know, you can't have it all. <laughs> but that that aside it's a really fun film um you know that's just one thing if they could change that would make it all the better but so highly recommended just for a silly good time um stitches by connor mcmahon (laughs) well i'll have to move it up my list for sure speaking of horror i want to know more about how you discovered your love of horror Uh, well it's uh that's rooted i'd have to say uh it's it's one of the few things that me and my dad really connected on, my dad had a love of horror and I remember being a kid and we had this huge like uh, collection of VHS tapes where we would record off of the television. And, um, you know, that's where my love for it took shape. Halloween and uh, Freddy Krueger, of course, and uh, Friday the 13th, all those types of movies. And my dad had a, a love of the the holiday Halloween. So he would oftentimes like go into another room and put on like a Wolfman mask and run out and scare the hell out of us as kids, me and my brother. And it just instilled such a deep love of the genre to me that that has stuck around all this time. And, uh, you know, and probably for that reason, John Carpenter's Halloween is also my all-time favorite horror movie. It's not a queer horror movie, but, you know, it kind of evokes all those memories and it's always been a favorite. Um, It's definitely one on the top of my list as well. I love Halloween 1978. It's kind of perfect. I did not like the Rob Zombie remakes um, when they first came out. Upon watching them several more times, they started to grow on me a little bit, but I'll still always love the original. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of horror films, um, we can talk more about horror films, whether they be um, horror films that would be considered a queer horror film, which are few and far between, or uh, a horror film that you just really love. So do you have any favorite horror films, games, or even novels that resonate with you? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. I would say um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course. Um, you know, kind of predates Halloween and inspired it. I I love that one. A lot of people do. Um, and even there, though, you have some queer representation because Leatherface is a thousand percent a queer character, and uh, I really identify with Leatherface in in so far as he is always trying to please the family so to speak and just nothing he does is ever right and that really connects with me on a visceral level because i feel like i can sometimes fall into people pleasing and just you know feeling like i'm not getting it right but you know in terms of leatherface's queerness that's definitely kind of a a non-binary situation going on with with uh with them i would say and that's that's awesome in one respect but it's also unfortunate that he's a psychotic killer. So there, there again, you have the, the queer representation, but he's, but uh, they, excuse me, are this crazed chainsaw wielding killer. So, you know, there's been an interesting, someone brought up something interesting to me about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So if you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 1974, uh, it's an amazing, rather short horror film from Toby Hooper. Um, who's just sort of a master of horror in his own right. But um, as far as the Leatherface character, uh, it's been said to me that he's a bit misunderstood. And I think that's true. Definitely a queer character. I would agree with you there. Um, And then the other thing is that, and it's interesting when, when this was pointed out to me, is that Leatherface, he is literally, I don't know what the laws are in Texas, <laughs> but um, he has only harmed intruders to his home Mm. like they all just walked in his house that's true (laughs) so (laughs) very very true Um, i mean technically who's the who's who's the intruder and who's just you know defending their property not that he isn't obviously a mass murderer um but it's interesting when you look at it from this other perspective of like well they just walked into his house like you know which is true they did they just walked into his house and they definitely shouldn't have like i don't know that he is actively going out and uh, murdering people uh, uh, but i do know that you know they're actively going out and um digging up corpses and things like that but other than that it didn't really i don't know that any murders happening where it's not people just stumbling onto his property fair point 100 (laughs) percent. you know and i I think you're right (laughs) i think texas does have like this stand your ground law maybe like florida does but yeah they were all intruders and uh you know, they messed around and they found out, I guess. Yeah, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying like, hmm, you know, you're right, actually. They just wandered into this guy's, on this guy's property and and, uh, havoc uh, and mayhem ensued. And obviously the chase scene with Leatherface and um, the main character, I'm going to forget her name now. Sally. uh, (laughs) Sally, thank you. So, so yes, so uh, chasing Sally through the woods and stuff, like then you get to the point where, well, she's off your property. You could just let her go. I know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and then even with the, um, her, the the brother character, her brother, um, I don't know exactly how he came to be on the property. I think that he was taken there so 
Um, yeah, something I, I, that happened during the chase. I think Sally was kind of because he was in a wheelchair, so I think she was kind of wheeling him in the direction of the property, looking for everybody else that went missing, and Franklin got it viciously and quickly. <laughs> so, yes, you know. But um, <laughs> anything with regards to. Uh, games or novels that you have a particular interest in i i'm not a uh, a gamer unfortunately and i know i'm missing out but uh but novels a (laughs) hundred percent like i mean i was uh, a child of the 90s so you know the the vampire chronicles from Anne rice were huge and continue to be huge um you know uh she's she's not a, a queer author per se but like she created such a rich world and you know i mean her vampires they're not even queer coded they're just they're queer characters and it's that those stories are so rich and beautiful and um also i would say uh jewel gomez uh author of the gilda stories is great um that that's a story about a a runaway slave that becomes a vampire who's bisexual so it exploit it explores bisexuality and her blackness and that's a really great story from a really powerful author and then i would also say poppy z bright again because being a kid of the 90s um wrote a lot of great books and uh poppy is a trans man so and then uh, you know how could you forget like clive barker and uh john mancini the creator of the the chucky franchise and and oh kevin williamson probably uh, if i had to pick a favorite gay storyteller in the horror genre would be him because i mean i think most queer people just love scream and uh <laughs> yeah he's got a huge impact and i was gonna just ask you who if you have a favorite uh queer storyteller um and if it's kevin williamson then awesome um and kevin williamson has had a, a big impact throughout the 90s and early 2000s as well oh um, yeah and there's another film oh, it's gonna escape me now um, so there's Scream, obviously, in that entire franchise, but then Williamson and Craven worked on another film together. Did they work on uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer? I don't know if Craven was so. in that, but Kevin Williamson was definitely yeah, in that. Kevin, I think it's a Kevin Williamson script. Yeah, and The Faculty, I think, like, so many great... I love The Faculty. <laughs> so. so much good stuff. So yeah, I, I would say him and Clive Barker, I, I mean, classic. You, you, I, I In fact, I watched Nightbreed last night, so it's like... Uh, I just watched Nightbreed. There you go. See? Great minds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is really interesting because Nightbreed, it's, it's considered a queer film, and obviously uh, Clive Barker is an out gay man, but... Um, What's interesting about Nightbreed is it's not necessarily that the characters in Nightbreed are queer. There probably are a few queer characters, um, but it's very much an allegory on queerness and coming out and finding where you belong, um, which I thought was really interesting. Literally finding your tribe, which is an expression used a lot in in, uh, queer culture. So and it was great. I mean, you know, it's uh, a cult classic, I would say. I loved it. It, it, Good times and Hellraiser. I mean, you know. Who doesn't like S and M demons? I mean, Stan is basically one of them. So, <laughs> you know, he, mo- oh, he moonlights right. as a Cenobite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember now. The one I was thinking of is the Vampire Diaries. Oh, <laughs> Williamson did the Vampire Diaries, and I was like shocked to find that out because I had no idea um, until I was I started like rewatching the first season. Uh, or I actually started rewatching all the the whole series recently, and I saw his name pop up in the opening credits, and I just had no idea. I love so, it. So um, 
and it's just funny but apparently he also did the following and did he do um, dawson's creek too dawson's creek yeah oh he did dawson's God. creek and he did um <laughs> something called tell me a story which i haven't uh watched but it looks scary mm. um apparently it was from 2018 to 2020 and he also did secret circle which only had one season and i was interested to see where that one went because i love the um witchcraft and occult type uh films so oh totally i mean uh, speaking of like the craft which is you know considered you know claimed uh by the queer community as well i think it turned 25 this year as well which yeah it did it just had its 25th anniversary and i have a lot of people and i know i mentioned it in uh the creative brief that i sent you that a lot of people are shipping nancy downs as a queer character so yeah um uh, and it's interesting because I'd never exactly thought of her that way, but I kind of did. I just didn't say it out loud. You know what I mean? So <laughs> no, exactly. Um, what are your thoughts on some of these characters? I know I called a few out, but do you have any um, queer coded or definitely out queer characters in horror that you either identify with or are just characters that you really, really like? Yes. Uh, I would say most famously, um, Jesse in, in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. Um, now, when I first saw that, I was definitely a preteen, a kid, but I remember watching that movie and being intrigued by it, but I didn't have the vocabulary or the knowledge of what was going on back then. But I, I distinctly, distinctly remember the, the scene where, you know, the gym coach sees Jesse at, at the leather bar and then, you know, then they're in the shower and, and the, the gym teacher's getting like, you know, whipped on, you know, on the butt and, and, you know, Freddie literally by the end of the film comes out of Jesse. So the whole, coming out allegory i mean it's it's perfect you can't get much better than nightmare 2 and it's definitely celebrated and and much beloved and deservedly so so um that one i definitely identify with but i would say probably the the character i most identify with in all of horror history would probably be frankenstein's monster um and i know the character is not queer per se, but my first exposure to it were the Universal movies, of course, which were directed by James Whale. So there is some queer sensibility in how Karloff was directed. So, you know, I, I definitely connected with um, the monsters longing for connection and searching for community and, you know, kind of like what we were just saying about Nightbreed, just looking for others like himself and, and just wanting to feel loved and accepted. So that that's always been a, uh, a very deep felt connection for me in terms of horror characters. I would say that, you know, and then I would say, Another horror character that I love, but from TV, like the TV show True Blood, uh, Lafayette. I don't know if you remember the short oh, order. Oh yeah, pack. I love Lafayette. Oh man, um, I loved I loved True Blood, and I read the um, books by Charlene Harris. So uh -huh. I was like super excited when the series came out. Um, it doesn't start to diverge from the, or I guess deviate from the books until after or around season four um which is when i kind of started falling off watching the show a little bit but um 
yeah, I love uh, True Blood and I love Lafayette's character. And we got him on the show a lot longer than we got him in the in the books. books. Yeah, I love them too. Like I'm actually my bookcase is right next to me, and I'm looking at the entire series because those books are just like candy. They're so fun to read. And I was actually on Charlene Harris's like Christmas card list for years. She stopped doing it, but like she would send me a Christmas card every year. I don't know why. So I, I have them in a stack somewhere. But um, but Lafayette was such a great fleshed out character. And I loved, uh, well, Alan Ball did um, True Blood and Six Feet Under, which is another show that I absolutely love. But um, just what they did with him was so fantastic. What a fully realized, powerful, queer person of color. He just rocked it in every scene he stole. And Lafayette actually reminds me a lot of my brother. So I just, that's a queer character that I love, love, love. So there's a few of them out there, you know? Um, yeah, there, there's plenty. But I would say the Frankenstein monster would be my monster of choice. <laughs> Yeah, I love Frankenstein. I'm a huge Frankenstein fan, and I love the Universal Monsters. Uh, for me personally, I got into horror through monster movies. So, uh, and watching those when I was a very young child, probably around the age of uh, between like five to seven. So, um, those all resonated with me. And my first crush was probably um, Mary Shelley, the Mary Shelley character, the Bride of Frankenstein. Ah. <laughs> so um i was just facet in awe of her and i thought even as a monster that she was just beautiful so yeah i uh let's talk a little bit more about um just queer representation in horror do you have any films that you feel um are really getting it right uh i think newer films are trending in that direction so there's quite a few that i've been watching recently a lot has come out within i want to say like the last five years that i think is um interesting and at least uh, in some ways good representation in horror both in film and television series actually so i'd love to hear a little bit more about what your favorites are i i think we're definitely going in the right direction i would say most recently probably the best i've seen was um uh josh and freaky um i thought that was a super fun movie um it, you know it, it was queer filmmakers and they wrote this queer character who was you know very active and you know they didn't fall back into making him you know a, a stereotype or the butt of the joke so I, I really think they they did a great job with him and i look forward to seeing more from those filmmakers i think uh christopher landon and uh the other person's name escapes me but um Anyway, they, they did a great job and kudos to them. And uh, who else? I would say my favorite, I guess, queer horror movie is Hellbent. <laughs> um, and that came out in uh, 2003, I want to say. And that's, I mean, it, it really is coincidental, but it, it it's the first movie I hosted for Here TV. But yeah, I think 2004. <laughs> I know that's when I threw on the list and I was like, go watch Hellbent because, you know, uh, like you said, it's considered the first gay slasher. It's set in West Hollywood. I've been to West Hollywood several times for Halloween. Oh. <laughs> and um, it's such a fun time. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. Like you said, um, I think you called out like, but there's not the different body representation in that film yes um and it's interesting to kind of like hear your perspective on um just like body image within um the gay community as a whole because it's not something that i generally spend a lot of time thinking about being 
on a different side of the queer fence, if you will. <laughs> so <laughs> no, yeah, it's you know, uh, and listen, it's like I get for the time, um, like two thousand four, it was revolutionary to have a gay slasher film. So I, I you know, it's okay to appreciate it and ask for more. So, you know, and that's really the only critique I would have, especially that the action takes place at, you know, um, you know, the West Hollywood uh, carnival. And, you know, obviously there'd be all sorts of people there. So, you know, even in those kind of scenes, you had your chance to put in like, you know, bears or, you know, just larger people, just, you know, there were opportunities that, that were missed, but overall, you know, it's still super fun to watch. Um, you know, it, it was great that it was just a queer story taking place in a queer space. And it was just a lot of fun, you know. And then uh, around that time, too, High Tension came out um, as part of, like, the, the the extreme French horror movies. And they, too, like, a lot of people celebrate that one for being, you know, such a landmark and like queer representation in horror, but it's really not my favorite. Um, the movie itself, I was a hundred percent with it and behind it and really digging it until the twist at the end. I, and I, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it, it's just, they, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess just saying that I don't like the twist implies that, you know, they made the queer, the villain in the end. And it just came so unexpectedly and for seemingly no reason and that kind of really put a you know a damper on it for me because they could have established marie's uh lesbian sexuality in a different way you know it it seems like the way the movie makes it seem is you know she's masturbating over her best friend alex and then all of a sudden bodies start piling up so we're led to believe that you know uh you know, her lesbianism led to a psychotic break that led to her murdering all these people. So it's just, uh, not great, you know, but it's, it's important, I guess, in, in respect that some representation is better than no representation, but like hell bent came out at the same time. And I feel like they did it way better. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so that's one where I'm kind of like, eh, but, you know, like I said, we all got to start somewhere and it's definitely gotten much better through the years. And I think we're only going to see more and more positive representations of queer people in horror. And that's an exciting place to be like, um, I cannot wait for uh, the uh, the documentary on Shudder from Sam Weinman there. Um, I like i'm so looking forward to this i've been waiting 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 (laughs) i hope it comes out soon because he also directed a film called the quiet room um which i also think is streaming on shutter and it's great it it tackles the issues of uh you know queerness law um loss uh love suicide mental health and it stars some of the girls from uh rupaul's drag race so that's always a good time (laughs) and uh the final uh, gay horror movie I would really, really encourage people to check out is something called Death Drop Gorgeous. And it's an indie film. Um, and it stars uh, 
a bunch of drag queens and uh, people in the queer Rhode Island scene, I believe. And it is just one of the funnest, most inventive gay horror movies I've ever seen. And it's currently working the film festival circuit. I believe the next chance people would have to see it as is at um, Fright Gown, which is a uh, benefit raising money for the transgender law center as well. Um, so it's a, it's a virtual film festival, uh, uh, death drop gorgeous will be playing there. And then again at the Soho horror film festival in July. So, uh, whenever anybody asks me a recommendation for a gay horror film, uh, that's, that's my go-to. It's just so much fun. So, uh, highly recommended. You wrote an article about that film as well. I did. Didn't you? Do you have a piece about that film? Um, I did see that. So I'll definitely be sure to share it out with everybody as well. So we can talk more about the film. And I'm also really excited about the queer horror documentary and that it's coming from the makers of horror noir. Um, Cause I think they did such a fantastic so job with good. that documentary. Um, but uh, I'm actually just a huge fan of most of the documentaries on Shudder. And I did watch the documentary um, all about Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yes. And um, I assume you've seen it. And uh, the exact name, ugh, now it's escaping me because it has like a nice play on words for the title. Yeah, it's, um, it's like Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yes, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's very interesting. And it really takes you through a lot of what was going on at the time, why certain things may have been problematic. And then sort of the issue with the, the filmmakers or some of the filmmakers and how they treated that situation or, you know, like wouldn't admit the um like queer undertones of the film so yeah um especially with a, an actor who wasn't ready to to be out um so yeah that's it's it's an it is a great one jesse is a great one um as you said so uh any other uh stuff that you're working on um or that's coming up that you want to share um, well, uh, we have a couple more episodes in the bag, uh, for Stan the Mechanic and we're shopping out a new home. So as soon as we land on a network, I will definitely get the word out as to, uh, where we'll be. But in the, uh, in the interim, I'll be available on social media to chit chat with all you horror lovers out there. And I'm looking to expanding my social media presence to YouTube. So there is a stand the mechanic YouTube channel as well. And I'm going to be working on growing more regular content on there in between seasons of the show. This way I can stay in touch with everybody and, uh, you know, have a good time because you just, I really want to cultivate that, that relationship and friendship with uh, all these beautiful horror fans out there and just, you know, have a good time. So, you know, as long as you're not offended by bad language or saucy uh, blue humor, then I think you'll have a good time with Stan. And I mean, you know, who doesn't like sex jokes? Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all, um, find them entertaining at, at some level so <laughs> um, well thank you so much john for taking time to come and be on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you and learn more about the projects that you're working on and um, the different things that you're doing to celebrate um, 
queer representation, not only in horror, um, but just in general. So thank you so much for um, coming on. And it's awesome to have you as part of the horror community. And I hope that we can stay in touch and have you back for uh, maybe a film review in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much, Enola. And thank you for doing this and highlighting queer horror content creators. It's so important. Thanks for gathering around the campfire, listeners. Come Slay Away with us next time and be sure to follow at Slay Away Radio on Twitter and Facebook.